What is up, everybody? Welcome back to The Awakened Catholic Show. I am your host, Nick Delatore, and this is not your grandmother's Catholic show. It's way better than that. With me today, I have my dear friend, Mr. Mike Tenney, the one and only host of Pop Culture Catechism here on Awakened Catholic. He's also an amazing speaker, worship leader, Catholic musician, just general amazing dude. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm blessed and lucky enough to call him a friend. And today, we're going to get into like what it takes to be become as freaking amazing as Mike Tenney is. Uh, and we're also going to be talking about like why this show pop culture catechism, why does this exist? But that's all coming up right after this. We are going to have some fun tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, yeah. We are starting out with uh, some drinks. This Cheers. is the the end of a, of a long weekend of production. Long day. For uh, the men's show, Pop Culture Catechism. And you got one more show for t uh, Pop Culture Catechism to record tomorrow yeah, morning. I think, I think this is like the 10th episode I've done this weekend. So <laughs> It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. But it's all for the kingdom. Um, and what a blessing to get to be used as instruments uh, where, we, where we talk about cool. life and the faith and Hopefully people come closer to God because of it. I hope, hope you are. I know I am. Me too. Um, yeah. So this is going to be great. Before we get into it, though, and believe me, you're going to want to get into it with us because if you have any chance of being anything nearly as cool as him, which is what we're talking about today, you're going to want to listen in. Uh, but first... If you want to be a part of what makes Awakened Catholic possible, you should consider becoming a part of the Awaken Nation. The Awaken Nation is uh, an amazing group of people. You could be one of them. Maybe you are one of them, and that's why you're watching this. But you could be, if you're not, by uh, making a small monthly contribution. It could be the size of a cup of coffee. You get to decide what size. You know, you could go the Starbucks route, where it's like they, they, you know, it's called the tall one, even though it's the shortest one. Or, or you could go like an actual big guy. You know, what, whatever your bladder can it, handle. It how much you love Jesus. It does. I guess it does depend <laughs> on how much you love Jesus. Uh, but yeah, we would love to have you join our family. No amount is too small. And um, none of this is possible without people like yourself saying yes uh, to, to doing this and, and maybe discerning, making it a, a part of your tithing. Uh, and then secondly, you should check out the Awaken app. You can find it on the app stores, uh, the Apple App Store, the Google Play Store. You can go to theawakenapp.io on your desktop or your mobile browser to learn more about it or download it. The Awaken app, it's it's pretty freaking sweet. Like it, it's got uh, it's a hub for all of the media that we push out here at Awaken Catholic, but it's also a social media alternative. And there's so much more coming uh, in the future. And there is even now, I guess there's there's actually more there now too. You should check it out. The Awaken app. .io mm -hmm. or Awaken Catholic in the app stores. Uh, all right, and then finally. This episode is sponsored by our dear friends at Select International Tours, uh, who have partnered with us on this mission of bringing awesome Catholic content to you. Uh, maybe maybe you're a Catholic, maybe you're a non-Catholic who's just interested in hearing Catholic conversations happen. Uh, regardless of who you are, Select International wanted to bring this episode to you. So let's roll the thing. Have you ever dreamed of visiting Paris in the fall? Seeing the beautiful Eiffel Tower lit up by a sunset? Visiting and venerating holy locations of the Sister Saints of France in Lisieux, Paris, Lourdes, and more? This fall 2021, join Select International Tours with Claire Swinarski from The Catholic Feminist, author and speaker Catherine Whitaker, and our amazing hosts Morgan Holliger and Megan Burwell from Awaken's show Naked Without Shame on a one in a lifetime send river cruise pilgrimage join our friends at select international tours and cruises with over 34 years of experience they are the perfect company to help you experience pilgrimage to learn more visit selectinternationaltours.com slash awaken bon voyage that looks awesome. Yeah, that looks amazing. And, you know, it is a women's pilgrimage, but uh, I found out later uh, that there are some men going on it, like the husbands of the women. And yeah. so there will be somewhat of a contingent of men. Cool. Um, but, yeah, you should check it out, ladies, uh, and I guess dudes. Uh, it should be a really, really cool thing um, that we're doing this year. And there is another pilgrimage we are doing <laughs> this year that is, you know, both men and women invited. And that is to the Holy Land. That's right. We are going to the Holy Land uh, this that, towards the end of this year, as well as this Paris pilgrimage. So to learn more about all of that stuff, go to selectinternationaltours.com slash awaken. 
Mr. McTenney, we are here today because I want to I want to help people find out how to be as cool as you. Uh, okay, <laughs> not, not selfishly, hard. I want to find out how to be as cool as you. <laughs> but the second reason is we're going to be talking about the pop culture catechism show and why it is important, why we created it, and why it's something that you drive all the way here to Northwest Ohio mm -hmm. to the Awakened Catholic Studios <laughs> every couple of months to do this thing called pop culture catechism. Yeah. So, um, all right, let's begin. Uh, in the beginning. So like you, I know you to be a guy that's super charismatic, who really loves the Lord, loves the church, loves to love people. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't know like a ton of people like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm curious, like, what does it take to become you? Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the grace of God. Okay. Fair enough. Um, and, uh, th th all of that is very flattering and touches my heart. Thank you very much for all those wonderful, nice things you were just saying about me. Um, so yeah, I I grew up uh, in the Catholic faith. Uh, kind of, we were we were a Catholic family. I wouldn't say we were like super Catholic. Like we weren't. Um, we prayed before we went to bed. We prayed before meals. We went to church on Sunday. Uh, maybe my mom sometimes would would talk to us about God, but we like we didn't really like pray together as a, a family other than just like before you went to bed at night. Um, like I didn't pray a rosary ever growing up. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't say faith was like our, like it was like a huge part of our day to day. Um, my dad was not Catholic. He just entered the church two years ago. Mm. Um, but really when we started to get, I went to, I went to public school K through eight and just, just kind of doing the religious ed thing, you know, received my sacraments, but it was just kind of like, you know, what you did. I didn't, I didn't, I believed in God, but it wasn't something that I cared a lot about a whole lot. Um, until, Really, really, it started with the influence of my older brothers when they got started to get involved in our parish youth group. We had a really strong youth program at our parish. We just had a couple, uh, two, two or three youth ministers in a row. Just had a, a really good program, and my brothers were really involved. We had a really strong, strong retreat program. It was called Christian Awakening. It was based on like the kind of the Kairos Curcio model, mm. and so my brothers and their friends were involved. Um, and I got confirmed in eighth grade, and my I chose my older brother Brian as my confirmation sponsor and uh you know it started to develop maybe a little bit of a prayer life i'd go to bed at night and like maybe think of some things in my in my head but it really wasn't until uh my freshman year of high school i started going to a catholic high school and i'm taking religion class for the first time and kind of getting a, a really good like intellectual foundation for the faith and learning about like the sacraments and the like what the catechism is and and uh at the same time i started going to my youth group and i went on that retreat in the spring and just had a total encounter of the living God. Mm. And it just like rocked my world. And I was never the same after that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <clears throat> what did it look like to encounter God in that situation? Uh, it was a few things. You know, I think I was very, very concerned about people's approval and people's opinion of me. Um, you know, my parents, my teachers, but especially my peers, I really wanted to be cool and funny. And I transferred from public school to Catholic school. And a lot of these kids, you know, it was kind of clicky. It was kind of, kind of preppy in a lot of ways. And, and I didn't know anybody. It was like, I knew two kids in a school of a thousand. Wow. And, yeah. um, so, and my brothers had both gone there and done really well. And they were like popular and had girlfriends and stuff like that. And were, were excellent athletes. And so I felt like a lot of pressure to be like them. And just like, I felt like I was really trying to work for like people's, people's love and approval. Um, I can't relate to that. I've never really experienced that before. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure <laughs> nobody else can relate to that. Um, but when I started going to uh, my youth group and specifically when I went on this retreat, I just kind of went because, you know, that's what my brothers did. And I was like, sure, yeah, I'll, I'll go. I wasn't like hostile to it, but I wasn't like super excited about it. But um, like the teen leadership on that retreat and the adult leadership on on that retreat was just like, wow. Like one of my, mm. one of my older brother's uh, best friends who I, I had known was probably 22 or 23 at the time. Uh, and he was on that retreat as a core team member. Um, uh, just a, a couple people that I, I had known at the, at the church that I got to know even deeper. And then just like uh, kids I looked up to that were juniors and seniors. I remember my, my small group leader was a girl who was a senior that I thought was really cool. And they just re talked really openly about their faith, about the struggles of their faith. And that just rocked me. I couldn't believe that these people were willing to be vulnerable mm. and and they, like, I cared so much about what people thought, but they just seemed to be willing to be vulnerable and be willing to share 
one about that they they cared about God. Like that wasn't something I was going to let out of the box, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like because it wasn't cool. And two, I wouldn't ever like I wouldn't have talked about my problems. Like, uh, what what would people think if I if right. they knew that I was struggling with this or struggling with that? And I saw the adults and the young adults and the teens. They just lived differently. They had a they had a freedom that I didn't have. They were were free to talk about their problems. They were free to talk about their faith, and they were they were free to be open with one another. And I just saw this acceptance in this loving community that I had I had never really known before. Mm. And that that touched me profoundly. I think I think that was that was the first thing. Uh, the second thing was that they kind of equipped us with some tools. My 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 brother's friend uh, who was on the retreat he gave a talk about prayer, and after each one of the talks, they would uh, put us in a small group. But on this one, instead of putting us in a, in a small group right away, they sent us off on our own to go like to to try to pray to God as a friend, just speaking to God as a friend, which I now know because I have a theology degree that that comes straight from St. Ignatius. And that's, that's the colloquy that would follow at the end of the Ignatian yes. ex- spiritual exercises. Colloquy. That's a word I use at least three times every day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So if you don't know anything about the Jesuits and St. Ignatius, but St. Ignatius came up with like all these spiritual exercises and how they often end is with a colloquy, which is just speak to God as a friend, speak to God as a dear friend, mm. as one friend to another from the heart. And that's how my brother's friend, Ryan, shout mm-hmm. out Ryan, uh, like he talked about praying in that way and they gave us a chance and I, I remember going out like to the lake at this retreat center and like sitting amongst the reeds like just looking out at the lake and the moon was on the lake and there was duck qu- ducks quacking at night and just speaking to God really from my heart in a way that I don't think I ever had before. Wow. And after I came back from that retreat, I continued to try to develop that prayer life. And my brother had given me a little prayer book that he had gotten from college. He was going to Loyola uh, University in um, in Baltimore. And there was like this little Jesuit prayer book with like Thomas Martin quotes and St. Augustine and, and St. Ignatius and, and Mother mother, mother Teresa and Pedro Rupe and just <laughs> yeah. all these prayers. And so before I'd go to bed at night, I just open it up and I'd pray one of the prayers and I'd talk to God. And like slowly I was starting to like build an interior life and like mm-hmm. discover that interior castle. And, um, God was slowly, but sh- like that tool started starting to build stuff. Yeah. And, um, I think the last thing that happened on that retreat is I, I really had an honest confession for the first time. I think I had, I'd gone to confession before uh, a handful of times maybe, um, in my youth, but there were always things that I had kind of held back. Mm-hmm. And again, I was so worried about the approval of other people and what other people thought, I wasn't going to confess certain things to a priest, you know? And so, but they, they, the priest on this retreat was like, I got to know him throughout the course of the retreat. And it's so important for that, um, for our young people that they get to know priests and on a personal level is the first priest I really got to know and that he was a real person. And, uh, so I went to confession with him. And he was just so compassionate. And I, I felt like I was, I was gearing up for like a wrestling match. I was a wrestler in high school yeah. and I, I going into confession, I felt like I was gearing up for a match and yeah. like just hyped up. Like I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to say everything. I'm going to, I did an examination of conscience. I'm going to throw it all out there. And I went in and I, I shared everything and the priest was unimpressed and because yeah. <laughs> he's sure he's heard it all before. And, uh, you know, he, put his hands over me and I think he was put his hands on me, which I'd never had a priest mm-hmm. do, but he, he knew me well enough to do that. And he said, you know, through the minister of the uh, church, I give you peace and pardon and go in peace. Your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. And I just felt like, whew, oh yeah, just washed over me. And I felt like I was flying coming out of that confession. So I think it was a combination of things. I think the community, um, the tools they gave me and de- developing a prayer life and um, just the sacraments. Um, I came back from that, a changed person. And just like, I, after that, I was, I was riding the Jesus train and drinking the Jesus juice. I was ready. <laughs> yes. I was all in. Yeah. I find that so interesting <clears throat> because we get so caught up, uh, you know, in, in ministry work, like, Oh, what's the next program? What's, what's the the newest, biggest thing with, you know, the biggest Catholic speaker <laughs> DVD series or whatever. It's awakened Catholic events, it's, by, it's by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who's using DVDs right now, but, um, yeah. And ultimately what it, what it comes down to is fundamentally about, uh, the, the witness and like the three things that you just kind of outlined, mm-hmm. uh, that you encountered that were instrumental in your conversion yeah. and your, uh, kind of falling head over heels for God and yeah. the church. Um, you mentioned community, you mm-hmm. mentioned tools and you mentioned the sacraments. Yeah. And it, I really feel like it's that simple. Mm-hmm. I feel like the whole 
path of discipleship and like reaching out to people, like get down to those fundamentals. And, you know, when it comes to community, like, are you, if you're trying to get people to fall in love with God and, and, you know, community is an important part of that. Like, are, are you someone that someone wants to hang out to? Mm-hmm. Or yeah. excuse me, are you someone that someone wants to hang out with? Mm-hmm. Um, are you attractive in your personality? Are yeah. you, are you someone that repels people? Mm-hmm. Um, because we have to be someone that someone wants to spend time with mm-hmm. if we're ever going to talk to them about Jesus. You yeah. can't, if you, without building up that rapport, without building up that relationship, without actually caring about them as a person, mm-hmm. you can't just like make them another number in your mm-hmm. list of people that you've converted or something like, yeah. I, yeah. So community is so huge, but it is as simple as like actually being an awesome person, actually doing your best to, to mm-hmm. have a, a good personality, to be likable, but um, not at the risk of like truth or whatever, but, but then also to like authentically care about people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think that that's something that we miss in a lot of our evangelization mm-hmm. efforts um, cause we just kind of want to get people through the RCIA mechanism. Mm-hmm. You know, if we get three people in an RCIA class, we get excited. Well, and when I, when I get hired by parishes to do retreats for confirmation or whatever, even as an adult retreat, um, one of the questions I always ask is, do you have peer leadership? Do you have parish leadership? Are there going to be adults there? That's awesome. Because from having done a bunch of retreats, if I could, if I could say one single thing that you could do to, that the, the, the one defining difference, I mean, there's lots of things that are important, but if you can only pick one, it's leadership from the parish. Mm. Cause I can come in and I can give a great talk for 45 minutes. I can, I can, mm-hmm. I can keep your middle schoolers engaged and I can give them some things to think about, but what's really going to make the difference and change, make this from, uh, you know, something that makes them think to something that like changes them and engages them in a life of faith is whether they are making friends at the parish, whether they have mentors mm-hmm. at the parish, their own age, whether they have adults they can look up to that community. Like, are they eating meals together? Are they sharing experiences together? Like, and you know, that that's the stuff that like a speaker like me can't come in exactly and do, yeah. you know, I can come in and I can present the faith in a way that your 15 year old is like going to be able to digest, you know, right. and I can, I can play the guitar and I can pray and I can lead people into a place of prayer and I can facilitate lots of things, but I cannot be, I cannot speak to an eighth grade confirmandi in the same way that a 16 year old youth group member can. And no matter how dynamic I am, like there's something about the witness of somebody their own age, somebody yes. from their own parish, an adult that they're going to see in the church on the weekends mm-hmm. that's going to make such a difference, way yeah. more than I ever could. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I've been such an advocate for a long time for the idea of parishes kind of going all in uh, with the idea of mentorship programs. Yes. So like if you had your current uh, – because there's some statistic about like the top – 8% of the parishioners or top 7% of the parishioners do um, like 80 something percent of the, mm-hmm. of the volunteerism and do 80 something percent of the, you know, donations. Mm-hmm. Um, like if, if just that 7% of the parishioners, like were all engaged in this mentorship program mm-hmm. where they all had to find like one person to reach out to and to meet mm-hmm. with on a consistent basis and yeah. just walk through life with them, re- uh, witnessing to the faith with them. Like that 7% would pretty quickly become a 14%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With just reaching out to one person consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, I just think that that is bigger than anything else we could do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's huge. Yeah. Um, so that's awesome. So so community for you and then the tools. Um, so what are what are some of the examples? You, you talked about like uh, some of the different like uh, prayer. Uh, yeah, like methods for just building an interior life, like yeah. helping kids uh, to, to pray. That, that was and helping them discover their own charism and their own. Um, spirituality, like the rosary is great, but the rosary is not for everybody. Mm. You know, there's like St. Therese didn't like the rosary. There's like, you don't, you don't need to pray in one specific way. Um, and, and I, I'm just saying the rosary cause that's a, that's a famous thing. I'm not, yeah, right. I'm not, getting, I'm not down on the rosary. I love the rosary, but uh, my, my point is that it's important for people to kind of find their own way of connecting to God. And yeah. so when I was a Catholic high school teacher, we would do a whole course on spirituality. And in all our courses, like prayer was built into it. And we talked about like, what are the skills for discipleship that students need? We don't just want them to graduate knowing who Moses was and mm-hmm. knowing, knowing the Vatican, the Vatican two documents and knowing, um, you know, the books of, of scripture and all these facts, we need to equip them with skills for a life of discipleship and apostleship mm-hmm. for the, um, 
you know, for, for the world. So, yeah. um, so pr- building an interior life is absolutely necessary for that. Knowing how to reflect on scripture, right. um, knowing how to look at, um, and this is kind of what my show is about knowing how to look at popular culture, uh, with a critical eye mm. and take what is good and reject what is bad is, is like such an important faith skill. Yeah. So absolutely. Yeah. I, I agree. I, I don't want to get too, too far into that. Too yeah. Quickly. We can get into that later. Yeah. But. That's, that's <laughs> absolutely right. Uh, so, and, and it, what strikes me too about the, the three things that you've mentioned, the community tools and then the sacraments, and mm-hmm. uh, we didn't even touch on the sacraments that much yet, but like just, um, how, if one of those isn't there and you're offering the other two, like, let's mm-hmm. say you are a Catholic school and you're offering the sacraments, mm-hmm. sacramental prep, and you're offering, uh, the tools, mm-hmm. uh, through their religion classes and stuff. But if you're not offering the witness, the community part of that, where yeah. it isn't just about community and singing kumbaya together, mm-hmm. it's about community that's rooted in uh, edifying each other in the faith, yes. uh, in leading each other, propelling each other forward, um, you know, challenging each other uh, in love. Mm-hmm. Um, if if one of those three things is missing, like you're you're going to have some problems. Yeah. That was a problem I encountered growing up, going mm-hmm. to Catholic school, is that one of those three pieces was missing. Um, you know, whether it was my teachers or my peers or whatever, like I just was not seeing Jesus in my Catholic education. Mm. And I didn't understand that then. Yeah. I understand it now. Um, and so that's where the community is so important because we are a living church. Like like Christ is alive, not only corporeally uh, in the resurrection in heaven and in the Eucharist, but he is alive in us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and we as Christians are meant to be little Christ. And when that's missing, you know, that, that sucks. Um, yeah. So, but then the third thing you said, the, the sacraments, mm-hmm. um, man, like it's so easy to like kind of understate how profoundly, immensely powerful and like life-changing the sacraments are. Mm-hmm. The story that you just shared about mm-hmm. your own uh, initial confession there, yeah. man, I have a very congruent story of my mm-hmm. own. Like the sacrament of confession is absolutely amazing. Yeah, um, it really And it, it just gets so, it's so easy to write it off because it's like that thing that's awkward and whatever, mm-hmm. I can get by without it, maybe just once a year, probably not even that mm-hmm. much for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Like, um, gosh, confession is amazing. It's amazing. Viewers, listeners, confession is amazing. Yeah. Uh, like, seriously, it, it could be such a game changer in your path of healing, of growth as a person. Um I've experienced it. Clearly, Mr. Mike Tenney has experienced Mm -hmm. it. Yeah, even at our school, when we had a lot of non-Catholic students, when we gave the opportunity for them to go talk to a priest, um, we would say, you know, you can't, it's the the sacrament is reserved for for baptized Catholics, but if you want to go talk to a priest for some spiritual direction, um, and we would have tons of non-Catholic kids show up and, you know, Mm -hmm. they'd go, they'd do the examination of conscience and confess their sins and get some, and get some, uh, you know, the priest would pray with them and, uh, you know, give them some, some kind of spiritual direction. Again, it wasn't like sacramental, but the the students, that was profound for them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So awesome. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to take us into uh, the next phase of our conversation, Mr. Mike Tenney. Ready for it. Okay. This is now the Kerygma speed round. All right. I don't have a fun jingle for that yet, but it's coming. Uh, I've been saying that for like the last three episodes. (laughs) That is McDonald's and they have not paid us. So please don't sing that. (laughs) Give me Uh, chicken McNuggets. Yes. uh, Give us like a a lifetime supply of chicken McNuggets and mm. I will still not play your jingle because that would be <laughs> like a, a hate move. Like that would be a crime against us. Yeah. Uh, anyways, so Kerygma speed round. I'm ready. First question is, who is Jesus? Oh, Jesus Christ. Was, Jesus of Nazareth was a historical figure who lived 2,000 years ago um, from kind of the boonies of Israel and he went to Jerusalem and preached about the kingdom of God and how it's at hand. And, uh, so many people thought that he actually was the Messiah, that it kind of caused a kerfuffle and they put him to death. And three days later, he rose from the freaking dead and it all turned out to be true. And he was the son of God and we're all saved by his ministry, a passion, death and resurrection. It's amazing. It's amazing. And even more amazing, I dare say. Then the resurrection itself is the fact that you managed to use the word kerfuffle. So, so <laughs> Kerygma <eloquently>. kerfuffle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's another word I say at least three times every day. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, absolutely. That's so beautiful. Um, and it turned out to be true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like yeah. Just, it's just it turned so out to be true. Yeah. Huh, uh, all right. Second question. Uh-huh. Elevator pitch. You can decide the, the height mm-hmm. of the building. Elevator pitch for a life with Jesus. Okay. 
press the button. Okay. Doors are closing. Which button? How many floors you got? I, I don't know. Just, just <laughs> okay. go, go with it. Go with it. Go okay. with it. All right. Doors are closing <laughs> and everybody worships something. Mm. There's something in everyone's life that they place their hopes and dreams on. They think if I just get this right, then I will be satisfied, happy, whatever. But they, we, we all have this thing that, that, that tempts us to fill in that spot that like, if I, if this is just, when this is going well, my life is going well. And when this is not going well, my life is not going well. Mm -hmm. We have, we have idols in this day and age. And it's not like Moses with the golden calf, but it's, it's something, there's something in our life that tempts us to worship it. And why not worship the living God, the real God, the only thing that actually can satisfy everything else you get, power, money, pleasure, the highest high, um, you know, adoration of, of, of other people, any amount of fame, you get it and it doesn't satisfy. You want more. Mm. Only God can satisfy and our hearts are restless until they rest in him. Only he mm. can provide meaning to our lives, even in suffering and conquer that suffering and bring greater good out of that suffering and give us purpose and, and, and connect us and help us, you know, yeah. live a life together. I love that. That's so beautiful. Final question of the Kerygma Speed Round. Uh, so you've defined who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. You've uh, given us an elevator pitch for a life with him as a mm -hmm. Christian. Now give us an elevator pitch for life with him specifically as a Christian Catholic. Okay. So doors closing. <laughs> Mind buffering. And <laughs> here we go. Press the button. And uh, a couple things. So first of all, we've talked about this already. The sacraments. God in his wisdom knows that we are not just spiritual beings who just need like you know, words and wisdom, but mm -hmm. we are physical beings. We need things we can taste and touch and feel and smell and, and experience. And so that's why he's given us the sacraments, these physical, tangible signs of intangible spiritual things that communicate mm -hmm. spiritual realities to us in a physical way. I can yeah. feel the water at baptism. I could hear the priest tell me I'm forgiven. I can, um, you know, taste the bread and the wine, which are actually his body and blood. I can get, get married to a person and it's different than just like being on the couch with them, watching Netflix, knowing that they will love me but they actually stand in front of the entire community and our friends and family and God and make a commitment and vows that they will love me freely, totally, faithfully, fruitfully. And then we go home and we like consummate it with our bodies. Like yeah. that is, yeah, we do. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hi um, <laughs> like God in his wisdom knows that we are, we are sacramental. We need those physical things. So we don't just have to take it on faith. I yeah. don't just have to like, when I, when I suck and screw up and I know God forgives me, I don't just have to take it on faith. I can hear, I can speak with my own mouth that these are the things I've done and I'm going to try to do better. And the, by his grace and the priest, I can hear him say, you are forgiven, go in peace in the name of the church. Um, I, again, I can, I can receive his body and blood on my tongue. I don't have to just take it on faith. I've can physically mm -hmm. experience it. Um, so that's, that's one thing. And I've seen the power of that in my own life and in, countless other people's who I've, I've, I've met a two. I love the social doctrine and the social teaching of the church. Cause it gives us a way to be bread for one another mm. in this world and live as community that is wiser and more consistent and more true than whatever happens to be the popular American political yes. polarity this week. Um, and <laughs> what issues we're upset about, um, and the us and the them and who's being a hypocrite and who, whatever, yeah. who's flip flopping because we, we are able to look at that and, and with the wisdom of the ages and say, you're making a good point here. You're making a good point here. This is not such a good point. That's not such a good point. And, and we have these guiding principles, which, which help us to, um, it be in some ways less liberal and less conservative and in some ways more liberal and more conservative. Like they, they help us to be uh, radical for Christ and radical with love for his people rather than radical for, you know, this political ideology or this political ideology yeah. where we're, we're radical with love for God and for our brothers and sisters. Yeah. Well, um, and, and a lot of that, the, the radical like extremism into either direction of the political spectrum, like they really pit you against your neighbor. And, yeah. and that is not healthy. Yeah. 
Um, and I've seen it on both sides. Yeah. And when I have been... But the other side's worse, right? The other side's worse. Exactly. Exactly. Those people are scum. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No, but that's, that's my point is like, even for myself, when I have kind of been less... Um, illuminated to like this kind of uh what i would consider to be a heightened way of thinking about it like Mm -hmm. where it's it's really no man politically like my heart is it it needs to be where the church's heart is Mm -hmm. and that doesn't fall into one category or another category Mm -hmm. it's it's catholic social teaching Mm -hmm. and before i found that um like i i can totally relate to that tension of Mm -hmm. like you know when people are different than you or they disagree with you, mm-hmm. then they are the others. They mm-hmm. are, they are the lesser people um, because they just don't know what you know, you know? And, and like, man, Catholic social teaching is just so beautiful. It's mm-hmm. always about the the dignity of the people, the dignity of the person, the mm-hmm. dignity of you and me, the dignity yeah. of person on the street mm-hmm. and like just um, loving people. Love, love yeah. is, is what it's about. Yep. So, um, yeah. Anyways, beautiful. I love that. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's a great Craigma speed round. Nailed it. Awesome. Boom. Uh, okay, so bring us back to your story. Uh, right. So you you're in high school. You get this, this I'm, powerful. I'm, I'm on the Jesus train. Yeah, you're on the Jesus mm-hmm. train, and then you end up going to uh, the the Catholic University Catholic of America. University of America. Not just any old Catholic university like <laughs> Franciscan or Notre Dame. That's just any old Catholic university. Right, but right, the right. Catholic University. Kind of like how this is the Awakened Catholic show, not like any of the other. Awakened Catholic shows? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, anyways, so where were we? Okay, so you, you go into the Catholic American, American Catholic. Uh, the Catholic University of America. That one. In Washington, D.C., yep. yes. Uh, that's what I said. And, yeah, so what was that like? Yeah, so I, I continued to kind of grow in my faith and was involved in campus ministry at my high school and, you know, grew into leadership in my in my parish. Um, another, another key uh, step in my faith was my, my best friend in, in high school. Her name was Ashley. She was a uh, um, pre- Presbyterian evangelical. Um, she ran a Bible study at her house on Friday nights. And like me and all our friends, like we would, what we do on Friday nights, we'd go to Ashley's house for Bible study and we'd sing praise and worship and talk about the Bible and like talk about Presbyterian, you know, Presbyterian beliefs and Catholic beliefs. And we'd stay up to like 1am and like eat cookies. And <laughs> that awesome. was like what we did for fun. And uh, we would go camping and stuff too. Sometimes it was, it, it was awesome. But that's where I really started to grow in scripture and kind of uh, learn um, like, yeah, I do really, I, I've, I've learned about some other branches of Christianity now, and I, I really love this Catholic faith. So, um, and by the time of my senior year, I was trying to decide where to go. And, uh, a couple things happened. Uh, one, I went on our senior retreat at my, my high school and my favorite teacher is my history teacher, Mr. Linda Kugel gave a talk to us. Um, and the school I went to was like, some kids I graduated with, like they were D1 athletes. They were going to like Harvard and Yale and Columbia and like these, these incredible schools, um, like some like high performers in, in my high school. And our, uh, teacher got up there and he gave this talk on Jesus's greatest commandment. You shall love God above all other things. Mm-hmm. You should love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, all this stuff you're worried about scholarships, what school you're going to, you know, sports you're going to play, what you're going to major in, what your career is going to be. None of that matters. He's like, I mean, it matters, but it doesn't matter nearly as much as are you going to love God above all things? And you're going to love other people as yourself. And whether you're an engineer or a doctor or a lawyer, or whether you end up working at five minute oil chains down the road, more, much more important than that is, do you love God yeah. with all you are? And do you love your neighbor as yourself? And I just remember this was like a come to Jesus moment for me where it just like struck me as true. Mm-hmm. And in that moment I was like, well, where I go to college, like has to be where I'm going to, I'm going to go deeper in my faith. And so, um, who was it that said that to you? That was my history teacher, your history teacher. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, um, that's so amazing. Yeah, He's he's an awesome guy. Um, and I, uh, and so I was like, I got to go to the school where I'm going to do that. And I was hanging out with some friends. Uh, and I think that December, some friends were home from college and some of them went to Catholic U and some of them were kind of talking Catholic, the Catholic University of America and not not (laughs) um, the other one, not the other one. And the, uh, (laughs) some of them were talking about like how weird the campus ministry people were at Catholic U. They're like, yeah, they like go to adoration and there's like incense and they put their hands up and worship. And I was like, oh, that sounds Sounds pretty good to me, you know? <laughs> and so um, also my girlfriend at the time was also going to Catholic U. So I think maybe in a little bit less like pure motivation was my motivation for going there. Um, so anyway, I, I 
yeah, so I went to Catholic University and that place just like rocked my world. Yeah. Um, because in high school, I was kind of like the Jesus kid. I was like, you know, one of the leaders in my youth group, one of the leaders of the campus minister at my Catholic school. I was like the Jesus kid. And I got to Catholic U and I was like a dime a dozen. There was like so many people mm. that were on fire for their faith and just like awesome, amazing people. And so we're all going to daily mass. We're praying the rosary together every night. That's where I learned to pray the rosary. Uh, we're like, you know, we're taking, uh, every Friday we're like taking food to, to homeless people on the streets of DC and like going out and doing service. We're doing mission trips over our spring breaks. We're praying outside abortion clinics. We're like just studying the scriptures in our spare time. We're stopping by the chapel, developing a prayer life. Like there's just so much alive on campus, like such a vibrant faith community. Um, and so many priests and sisters just around all over the place. And like uh, people that are graduating or entering religious orders or, or, um, yeah, it was, it was just such a vibrant faith community and like, you know, the chapel, packed for for Sunday mass and everyone sings and everyone stays till the end and it's just it's Wow. Amazing faith community. That's yeah. so cool. So cool. Um, so my, my faith just really came alive there. I discerned uh, the priesthood for a while, for about two years. Um, and God just kind of like wrecked my heart. That was my, 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 in a good way. He wrecked my heart in a good way. Yeah, and just yeah. kind of like, um, uh, that was kind of like my, my quarter life crisis. Um, I, I went to Jamaica twice with one of the priests uh, to a really poor area. Um, like just working with really poor people, like living in a trash dump. Wow. And, yeah. um, that, uh, in another way was like a way that God was kind of like breaking my heart in all the right ways, you know? Yeah. Um, and just kind of softening my heart to his will about like, you know, what is, what is the life you, you are going to live in? Um, and how are you going to, yeah. how are you going to give yourself? Well, the amazing so. thing to me is like following that, that invitation, that call from him, you go on to, to become a high school teacher mm -hmm. and you know, the average person when they, when they, think about the kind of call that you're just describing uh, and, and that experience of missionary work and stuff. Like you don't automatically think like go teach at high school, you know, like that, that isn't like generally thought yeah. of as like a super ministerial mm -hmm. uh, or uh, Jesus-y thing. Um, you, you know, normally you would think of go be a youth minister or go, yeah. go do the seminary thing. Mm -hmm. um, but you go into teaching at the mm -hmm. high school level for 14 years yeah. mm -hmm. And the, some of the stories that you've told me about that experience, that, that amount of time there, the relationships that you had with your students um, and still have to this day because they mm -hmm. were so real. They yeah. weren't just like fabricated, like we have to see each other during these hours of each day. So like, you know, I'll deal with you, give you your grades, whatever. Like you, you poured into your students' lives and you allowed them to pour into your life. Mm -hmm. And um, I just, I so respect like the desire to be so authentically in relationship with them to really minister to them in that way. And it goes back to what we talked about earlier today, which is like earlier in this uh, mm -hmm. episode about not just like trying to uh, evangelize people and convert people so that you've converted more people, but mm -hmm. like converting people because the person in front of you matters. Yeah. And they need mm -hmm. to matter to you on a personal level yeah. before you can hope to convert them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just so respect uh, and, and admire some of the things you've shared with me about your time at that high school Thank you. for 14 years. Yeah. Uh -huh. Um, so yeah. What, what was the, what was the, uh, the biggest challenge you faced in like sharing the gospel at that, in that age level? <sighs> oh, the biggest challenge. I think it's just that there's so many other things competing for their time and attention with just like, you know, the secular world we live in. And, you know, especially I was teaching through that, through the advent and popularization of, of cell phones. And so, um, kids are spending five, six hours a day on their, on their screens. And just, there's so much, there's so much else to compete with. Um, mm -hmm. <clears throat> so I think, and, and, you know, you never know what's going on with, at home with yeah. kids. Um, and a lot of times the, the messages that we teach aren't always backed up at home. Um, or the parents are just working hard, you yeah. know, and they're sending, they're trying to send their kids to a good school so that it just the parents aren't are around a lot or, mm -hmm. um, so it, it just varies from situation to situation. Um, yeah, but I, that was the main thing I, I think is just, there's so much else competing for their attention and their mind space. Yeah. I can't even imagine being a student at that high school. Like I just found out today that Josh Moldy's mm -hmm. teaches there. Yeah, he does. Yeah. You've never mentioned that to me. Yeah, yeah. And uh -huh. and I just think that's amazing. He yeah. he runs the the Holy Ruckus. Uh -huh. Shout uh, out Josh. You guys should yeah. totally check out. Uh -huh. Um but yeah, and then uh, and then your brother, uh, brother was teaching alongside uh -huh. you for a long time and, the, and then he became the vice principal. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um 
Like, we, had a, we had a rock star campus minister. We, st- I mean, the campus minister that's there right now, Jess. Shout out, Jess. She's a rock star too. But um, for for a long time, like fifteen years, the lady that pioneered like the campus ministry program there, her name's Nancy Vodder, and she just like, I mean, talk about an evangelist. Talk about mm-hmm. loving people, meeting them where they're at. She's just like one of those people with a huge heart and just like. Mama Bear just loved kids and and intentionally going after the 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 kids that are are difficult mm-hmm. and the the people that everyone else overlooked and it's like huge huge friend and mentor of mine and um so it was really awesome to be part of a team that really just just got it just got it it's 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 about loving these these kids yeah. and finding opportunities to to help them experience Christ. That's beautiful. And we had that in the religion department. We had that in campus ministry. It was backed up by the administration. The, we never had to fight with the administration with like, you know, there's so many of my friends that teach at, at some Catholic schools where it's clear that like what the stories they tell me about the administration, like it's clear that like academics is the priority and athletics is the priority. And, you know, being a blue ribbon school is the priority. And like, Catholic identity is kind of like these buzzwords, like community, right. faith, stewardship, you know, but life skills, like, like Jesus, yeah. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Yeah. Like that is <laughs> what it's about. And at St. Vincent Pilate high school, like it's Jesus yeah. is Jesus and his love for the world. That's awesome. And, um, and, and like just so many of the staff. And it, it was also cool because that like a, across the street is my parish in my, mm. in, in a K through eight school. So I think part of the community there, and it's kind of, and it's a pretty small school. We talk about the Pilates family is like so many of the kids, they go to that parish. They went to the K through eight school. There was a daycare, a pre-K before they went to wow. K through eight. So there was a, a, a lot of kids that just grew up on the block and it was just such a, a vibrant, close knit community. I started going to church there. That's where I met my wife was when I started going to church yeah. there. So I became a part of the community as mm-hmm. well. And, um, you know, at my, at my wedding, there, there was kind of like two parts of the church. It was the main church and the side church. And the whole side church was like filled with all my students. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it was, it was Dude, so what a epic. testament to the impact so that cool. you had just by like actually loving them. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. I mean, it's just so huge. I, yeah. that can't be understated or oh, it cannot be overstated. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So, so you're teaching at St. Vincent Pilate for 14 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you get this phone call from this 30, 30 at the time, 32 year old Cuban guy. Uh, <laughs> what was that like? Yeah. So I'd been discerning for a while, um, the call to maybe step away from full-time teaching because over the past five or six or seven years, people started asking me to give a talk here, do worship leading. Cause I, I was also playing on a rock band and trying to make it big for a while. And then the band kind of just, you know, life took us in different directions. And, um, I, uh, so I started to, um, just, uh, and after a while I was getting asked to do this so much, I kind of, I was like, all right, I'll make a website and just like social media. And so I kind of like Mike Tenney music ministry, like became a thing. Um, and I was doing that quite a bit <clears throat> and I, my wife and I always talked about like, well, what if I did ever step away from teaching and we'd start having kids. We have two kids now. Uh, and she was going back to school to get her degree to be a nurse practitioner. And we got to this point where we were really discerning and I was actively like praying for over a year, probably a year and a half about whether I was going to, I was going to leave Pilates. Um, and quarantine hit and I was teaching from home. Um, and I actually had a, a really powerful experience on a, on a retreat that I was leading and led a men's retreat down in Georgia. And just, uh, it was largely a silent retreat and I had lots of time for prayer, except for when I was giving the talks. But, um, I just very fa- powerfully felt that weekend that God was confirming what I'd been praying about over the year, past year and a half, that it's like, it's time to take the leap. It's time to move in faith. Um, and then coronavirus hit like a week later. That was like end of February when I did that retreat. Yeah. And so I was like, ah, oh, it's a bad time to quit our job. But then when it came time to sign the contract, my wife and I just looked at each other and we talked about it for a couple of days and was like, it's time, it's time to make the leap. It's time to make it happen. And that summer, just a few weeks after that, when after I decided to quit my job, uh, we had kind of become friends just online. Yeah, yeah. And then through Marco Polo, we just started chatting yeah. a lot uh, with our buddy Jude. And you called me. I was at the beach with my family. And you said, Hey, would you ever consider coming to Bully Green, Ohio every few months and recording some shows? And I looked at my wife and I explained to her the thing and she's like, yeah. And I was like, yeah. And so <laughs> I like called you back right there. We're like, yeah, we can do this. And like, and that was like August like 5th. And I was out here recording like August 20th or something like crazy, that. August 27th, like yeah. three weeks later, yeah. <laughs> I was there and we had shows planned and like guest booked and like, yeah. 
it was yeah, yeah that was that was so amazing and thank you for your yes to yeah. to doing it because yeah. i think it's been fantastic like i know that the the audience reception has been huge for your show pop awesome. culture thank catechism you. i mean it's not it's no the awakened catholic <laughs> show but it's pretty good well, i can aspire uh you can you can yeah. you can uh, and you should um no so my one of my favorite things uh we're gonna we're gonna get into more of uh your show at the uh on yeah. <laughs> we're gonna get more into your show in the last segment here but um one of my favorite things about how this all played out was that like you know we very conveniently started this right mm-hmm. on the heels of this crazy sensation that happened this song called WAP by oh, Cardi yeah. B mm-hmm. and our first episode your first episode of yep. pop culture catechism mm-hmm. Was about WAP with Cardi B. Yeah, and uh, I got to say a word I never say yeah. on the internet in front of like anyone who wants to on see a it. Catholic yeah. program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> never saw that coming. <laughs> yeah, and oh, sorry, Cardi B and Megan the Stallion. Megan the Stallion. Yeah. Props mm-hmm. were due. Um, but yeah, so we 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 basically like set a tone for your show. It was just like we're just gonna we're gonna go all in on this. Mm-hmm. Um, we're gonna talk about current events or rather current media yeah. and, and what's we ain't, popular. We ain't, we ain't scared to talk about the yeah um, controversial stuff. And so. we invited a, a natural family planning instructor to yep. join us for the show mm-hmm. uh, due to the nature of the, the, the song, the lyrical content of the song. Mm-hmm. Um, the moisture of the song. <laughs> oh my gosh, no. <laughs> oh, I'm traumatized all over again. Um, Tackiness of the song. Yeah, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the egg whites of the song. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we're going to get... We're going to get canceled. Oh, my goodness. Anyways. Um, oh, my goodness. <clears throat> so where was I going with that? Uh, that was. Yeah. So we basically like came out the gate swinging with this yes. with this episode. And um, I think it was super well done. Um, and I think that Matt Frad really learned a lot from our episode. In totally. Terms of how he approached the mm-hmm. topic. Yeah. It should be said like five months later. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, but anyways. Um, yeah, what was really cool to me too was how uh, following the release of that episode, Cardi B actually tweeted at us, uh, and she basically no way yeah yeah she um, she said in her tweet uh, I I like pop culture catechism but I love you, the awakened Catholic you, show <laughs> and then you, you know me. how in Twitter you, you have me. like those chained tweets um, I hate you so much. Right now. <laughs> You know, but you know the chained tweets? I don't even care. <laughs> so she followed that one up with another one where she said, I don't care what the haters say. Bring back the Catholic Weird Stuff segment. Let's go. Catholic Weird Stuff. Why do they do the things that they do? Let's learn some Catholic Weird Stuff. It's a word. Well, welcome to the Catholic Weird Stuff segment, ladies and gentlemen. Today we're going to be talking about purgatory and... Not the what is the word indulgences <laughs> indulgences I keep wanting to say annulments when when this comes up <laughs> what's wrong with me so we're going to be talking about purgatory and indulgences today and uh, this is a topic that I get really excited about because it's such a widely misunderstood one but as soon as it is understood as soon as you get under the standing of it you are going to love it so uh, personally the the teaching of purgatory is a favorite because it uh, it means I'm not screwed. Uh, like I have a, I have a fighting chance at getting into heaven because of the grace and the mercy of the teaching of purgatory. Mr. Mike Tenney, take it away. I need I'm still managing my rage. I need a moment. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you got me with that. Um, okay, that's a good one. All right, what are we talking about? Purgatory <laughs> and not annulments, indulgences. Oh, and there's more whiskey. Okay. Uh, yeah. So yeah, go for it, go for it, go for it. So, um, what, when I find a lot of people struggle with, with this topic of purgatory and indulgences and the most helpful way that I find to explain it is to speak in terms of a healing. Okay. So, um, there's kind of these churchy terms that we use, like there's the, there's the temporal punishment and it's the remittance of, uh, you know, te- you, you, when you sin, you not only incur like the guilt of sin, uh, but there's also the temporal punishment of sin. And then, uh, you know, to be forgiven of the guilt, you go to confession and you're forgiven and you're reconciled with God. Um, but then there is also the temporal punishment, which must be, must be remitted, um, 
And that's like where we get indulgences from. And I feel like that language is really, really difficult for people. So here's, here's kind of how I, I think about it. So let's say I'm really mad at you because you tricked me and I punch you in the face. Oh no. You jerk. <laughs> okay. That would be a sin, right? Yeah. Um, so I punch you and I give you a black eye and maybe like bruise my my hand because because I'm sin, so strong and and because sin yeah. not only hurts the other person but sin always hurts you as well. Mm. Um, and so, but because you're a dude, you're a good dude, and we're bros. Uh, I'm like, man, I'm sorry, and you're like, dude, I already forgive you, and we reconcile and we hug it out, okay? And I am forgiven, yes. I guess. Okay, so I'm forgiven. We are reconciled, okay? But the temporal punishment remains. You yeah. still have a black eye. I still have bloody knuckles, mm -hmm. right? And that healing still needs to take place. Okay. It's the same thing. Like when I tell my, my young daughter, don't touch the stove and she touches the stove, she receives a punishment, mm -hmm. right? The punishment is not me taking her hand and burning her on the stove. This, it, it's no, of course not. Right. Yeah. But some people have that vision of God. Some people have that vision of God that God punishes you. And with these, with these kind of arbitrary the punishments, um, but the punishment is just that God's made us in a world with consequences and like our sin has consequences and it hurts us and other people. And so, um, indulgences and that's what purgatory is about purgatory is about you've been forgiven you've you've been reconciled with god you're gonna enter heaven but you're not yet perfect you still your soul still has some healing mm -hmm. to do and so that purification process is is it's like an airlock before heaven it's not like a halfway between yeah that's heaven and hell that's so so important because i think that many people misunderstand like purgatory is another option like it's like a third option rather yeah. than heaven or no, hell no, no, no. Uh -uh. it's a third potentiality mm -mm. um or that it's like somewhere you go to work off your sins mm -hmm. um and i i love uh it's like where you wipe your feet yeah it's, it's a mud room it's <laughs> yeah, a mud room a mud you know room, you walk yeah. in from your house you're all gross and <sighs> after playing for the day and like you know like we do as adults we as play we do. outside as and we, we get all muddy and gross uh -huh. um you know, if you walk into a clean house with muddy shoes and pants and stuff, like you're, that house is no longer going to be a beautiful, perfect, clean house. Yeah, uh, heaven will be, in its physical sense, uh, perfect and beautiful and uh, untarnished and pure. Yeah. And and if we go to heaven saved and forgiven mm -hmm. but not perfect, yeah, we will be bringing with us our muddy shoes. Yeah. And yeah. we can't do that. And just because you're forgiven doesn't mean you've like, you've, you've become virtuous. Yes. Right? Like I, I can be this. an awful person who has been like, you know, a drug dealer and an abuser and a liar and a cheat my whole life. I get hit by a bus crossing the street and I'm lying there bleeding out and a priest comes up and is like, oh my gosh, you're dying. And I'm like, father. I realize everything I've done has been a sin. I'm so sorry for my sins. Will you will you forgive me? And like the priest gives him absolution right there. Like he's forgiven, but he's still a vicious person in his soul. Like he's still got all those bad habits. And what is heaven but a communion, a perfect communion, a perfect relationship of love? Like I am forgiven and I am welcome to the table, but I am not the sort of person <laughs> that mm -hmm. is capable of that perfect relationship of love. Like like I'm I'm willing to trust God, but I don't I don't know how to swim yet. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to take him on as my coach, but yeah. I, I haven't learned how to swim yet. And so that indulgences are a ways that the church sets aside as exemplary. And it, it kind of says, these are awesome ways to heal your soul. Mm. Pray this sort of prayer, do this sort of novena, um, you know, go to this pilgrimage site. Um, and, and after you've done this, you know, go to confession and, and, and receive the Eucharist. Like, Hey, put um, this ice pack on your swollen, broken knuckles because you punched Nick's yes. face and it'll reduce the swelling. That's what indulgences yeah. are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. That's beautiful. Uh -huh. Yeah. And I think, I think we, you know, there were certain people in the church that got it twisted, like in the, in, in the Renaissance and there were abuses where it was like, oh, well, if you, if you give me this much money, that's a charitable work and that'll get you however many years out of purgatory. And yeah. I, I think it was too arithmetical and too, ma too mathematical. It's exploitative. And, and yeah. Exploitative in the, in the council of Trent very wisely mm -hmm. cleared all that up. And that's not how, how we teach about it anymore. So one of my, um, one of my favorite scripture scholars, he's a guy named N.T. Wright. He's an Anglican bishop and he's just, he's brilliant. Um, 
and uh, he was talking about purgatory and Anglicans don't really believe in purgatory, but he's like, you know, I was reading Benedict the 16th's like writings on purgatory and it's like, I can get down with that. Like if that's what purgatory is, yeah. <laughs> like I, yeah. I can, I can, I can be okay with that. And so like, if you're interested in more stuff on, on purgatory and kind of how the, the church explains it now, as opposed to like how it was in the Renaissance, yeah. Benedict the 16th has got like some, that's mwah, awesome. Excellent He's such theology. a good writer. Dude too. is like, smart. His books on Jesus of Nazareth. I that's haven't a, read all of them, but what yeah. I have read is amazing. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. And, and the cool thing to me about purgatory especially is like, it isn't just a matter of, okay, can it be defended in scripture and in church mm -hmm. tradition? The answer is yes. What's more significant <laughs> to me is the impact that understanding it can have. Like, man, it is such a beautiful mercy of God that purgatory mm -hmm. exists. Yeah. If you look at scripture, I believe it's in the book of Revelation, <clears throat> it says that we cannot be before the face of God unless we are perfect. I don't mm -hmm. know about you, Mike. You're pretty dang awesome. But for me, I'm probably going to die imperfect. Mm -hmm. And if it were not for purgatory and the truth of it, mm -hmm. um, and that it will purify me mm -hmm. of my vice, of my uh, inclination to sin, of, of any bad habits, uh, if it were not for purgatory, I would have no shot at getting to heaven. Mm -hmm. Like it, I, it would be like a... It, no bueno. And the thing is, you can argue that if you're watching or listening to this and you're like, I still don't buy it. You can argue mm -hmm. what I'm saying. But then what you're really saying is you don't really believe in what Scripture's saying. Mm -hmm. Scripture says you got to be perfect to be before the face of God. Mm -hmm. um, and then even Jesus specifically, he says, be perfect as my heavenly father is perfect. And mm -hmm. he's not just taunting us with something that we, yeah. we know he knows is unattainable. Um, that's actually what uh, was proposed by Martin Luther is that mm -hmm. Jesus was taunting us like like if like being kind of a cruel joker jokester or something. Mm -hmm. uh, no, that's not my God. My God is not a cruel jokester. Sorry, Martin Luther. Mm -hmm. um, no, Jesus says be perfect because he wants us to never settle for being less than what we can be. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't expect us to be perfect every day. He just wants us to try. He mm -hmm. wants us to do the best we can uh, and then let him fill in the gaps. Um, so, yeah, it's a tremendous grace because, like, none of all of us would fall short of what of what we find in Scripture and is, is the case that, that we have to mm -hmm. be perfect. So I find it to be incredibly comforting mm -hmm. uh, and, and a really beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some people would get freaked out about, like, some of the different imagery that's been out there about purgatory. Mm -hmm. Like, if God loves us, why would he make us go through... Hundreds of years of burning and blah blah blah. Yeah, like, forget about the years. Like, that's, dude, that's the not years. How we talk about it anymore. It's it's so absurd to even try to explain purgatory in years. Like, mm -hmm. it's outside of time. Yeah. So stop trying to do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. You know, I've even heard some theologians speculate that like purgatory could be the moment that you are before the face of God and mm -hmm. just being in front of Him sears you of mm -hmm. all of your imperfections. Yeah. Um, like if you were, you know, literally walking into the sun and it just like obliterated anything that was not mm -hmm. perfect, you know, yeah. like uh -huh. um, just a, a kind of a really interesting imagery to, to you know, because it's in an instant in a sense. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of different theories about it, but the important yeah. thing is that God wants to purge us so that we can spend eternity married to him. Yeah. Uh, like, Amen. That's pretty freaking awesome. Yeah. And only Catholicism is selling those goods. Yeah. Uh, I mean, mm -hmm. no one else is proposing what Catholicism proposes and mm -hmm. I freaking love Catholicism for that reason. Amen. You. Yeah, you. You know you've always wanted to go to Paris. Well, now's your chance. If you go with Select International Tours, the sponsor of today's Awakened Catholic Show episode, you can join Claire Swinarski from the Catholic Feminist Podcast, as well as author and speaker Catherine Whitaker, and our amazing hosts Morgan Holliger and Megan Burwell from Awaken's show Naked Without Shame on a once-in-a-lifetime Seine River Cruise pilgrimage in France. Visit and venerate the Sister Saints of France in Les Yeux, Paris, and more. Sacre bleu! Learn more by visiting selectinternationaltours.com slash awaken. Mike Tenney. Yes. Pop Culture Catechism. Yeah. Why Why are you doing this? Uh, it's really all for Cardi B. <laughs> <laughs> you just wanted to at you at, uh, at Twitter. At me on, yeah. on, on Twitter. Yeah. Um, so 
I just so when when uh, you first approached me about uh, doing a show, I, I've for a, a long time I thought like about doing a podcast or a YouTube show, and I'd, I'd done some. My my YouTube channel has some stuff that I that I put up, um, but I'd never really been able to do much with it because I was working as a full time teacher and being a rock, trying to be a rock star and and doing music ministry on the side. Um, but when I, I, I quit my job as a teacher, I was like, all right, I got to do more online stuff, especially because it's, it's uh, coronavirus. And I was trying to think about like, what would I do? What would I do? What would I do? And I love music. And I thought for a while about like doing album reviews of albums. I love new albums that come out. Maybe we could do movies too. Maybe we could do the occasional mm -hmm. video game, mm -hmm. stuff like that. So the original concept of the show was called Awaken Catholic Reviews. And I pitched that to you. You were like, sure, great. That, that's awesome. And that's what it was going to be called. And I, uh, my wife at one point was like, oh, so how's the show going? I was like, it's, it's good. And she's like, what's it going to be called? I said, Awaken Catholic Reviews. She's like, really? That's what you're going to call it? <laughs> she's like, you got to come up with a better name. So <laughs> praise God for Maddie and her insight. Yeah. So I like started like keeping a list on like brainstorming names and the name Pop Culture Catechism came up and I was like, Ooh, there's a ring to that. Yeah. Maddie, what do you think of that? She's like, that's way better. And I showed yeah. it to you and you were like, that's way better. And yeah. then I'm like, praise God, that's what it ended up being. Cause I think it is way better. Um, just looking through pop culture, the music and the movies that we're already listening to already piping into our brains and already talking about, and have mm -hmm. already kind of become part of the cultural, um, tapestries, zeitgeist, whatever you want to call it. Um, and we're trying to learn the faith from it. And there's, there's a great tradition in the church, of learning the faith through dialogue. And that's what a catechism is. A catechism is a tool for learning the faith. And well, yeah. a lot of like Plato's writings, even pre-Christian times in philosophy, they're, they're dialogues. Socrates is having a dialogue with somebody. Uh, and St. Augustine copies that style in a lot of his books. Um, uh, Thomas Aquinas, when he's writing oh, the, yeah, Summa, the Summa, is it's like, yeah. here's, what, here's this point of view. Here's this point of view. Here's my point of view. On the contrary, you know, and it's, it's very much that dialogue pre presenting the different points of opinion. And we learn from that. The Baltimore Catechism is presented as a question and an answer. It's a dialogue between two people. And so that's kind of the, the philosophy of the show is I'm going to try to find awesome people with interesting stories who love Jesus, who love the church. And we're going to talk about stuff that, that is, is relevant to culture. And we're going to, we're going to ask the big questions about the longings of the human heart, about God, life, the universe yep. and everything. Um, and it's been awesome. I have loved it. I agree. I, I love it. The audience response to it is amazing. Um, you know, I would ask you like who your favorite guest has been. Mm. But I know obviously that answer is me. Obviously. Uh, I did love doing Lincoln Park and we got to, I got to be Chester. Fun. You got to be Mike. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was super fun. <laughs> uh, and actually today, the day that this show releases, another episode of yours that I was a guest on coincidentally mm -hmm. is coming out. Mm -hmm. um, but so I won't ask you who your favorite guest was. We mm -hmm. all know. It was, you know me. Uh, mm -hmm. But I will ask you, is there an episode that you've done on a specific topic that has stuck with you in a way that the others haven't? Uh, it's it's hard to pick, but the one that comes to mind is the one we did on Hamilton. Mm -hmm. And uh, my guests, there, David Sanborn and Stacey Summerow, they both both have Broadway experience, both uh, incredible, like inspiring stories of faith, and um, just how powerful a story the power the story of Hamilton is, and then the the power of both of their witnesses, and and also just Stacey's been going through some stuff recently with her with her new baby, and there's just been pray, pray for Stacey, y'all. Yeah. She's been going through some stuff, and just like the 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 witness of faith in the face of adversity that you see in Hamilton and in the lives of those guests, and just in our conversation is just yeah, it really struck that's awesome. Struck me, so yeah, yeah, we'll put a, a link to that episode in the show notes mm -hmm. of this episode for sure. Um, but okay, that's awesome, man. Yeah. So I do want to say too, like for me, the, the most interesting thing has been, um, like the, the responses that I get from people in, in, in reaction to the different episodes. Mm -hmm. So for example, most recently, uh, you recently had this episode on Harry Potter, mm -hmm. um, like basically all of the Harry Potter yeah, movies, uh, -huh. uh, specifically the movies, right? We, we talked about the books, the books, the books the just movies, kidding, yeah. specifically the books and then yeah, also the movies. Uh -huh, yeah. Um, Okay, but yeah, like the reactions I've gotten from people uh, that are just like, you know, I never gave Harry Potter much of a chance, but now mm -hmm. I really want to watch them. And mm -hmm. other people who are like, oh, I watched them years ago and I want to watch them again because mm -hmm. this episode just gave us such great insights. Nice. Um, and then I felt that myself when I watched it. I was just like, gosh, Alina and I have watched all of the Harry Potter movies mm -hmm. multiple times yeah. since we got married. And I just want to watch them all again, mm -hmm. like now. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the thing that to me was so uh, that that was illuminative of is like 
there is so much depth and profound processing to be done uh, related to a lot of this pop culture stuff. Like there, mm-hmm. there's there's the obvious, there's the face value, but then there's something through a Catholic lens to be picked apart and like to be processed and mm-hmm. chewed on. And in, in, in the best way, which is in in a conversation yeah. where, you know, you kind of really get to wrestle with something mm-hmm. with someone um, and you see perspectives that you might not have seen otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just it's so neat to see that. And I love that your show is doing that. Thank you. And shout out to Maggie Craig, who was on that episode. And yeah, she did a great job. She's super smart <laughs> and yeah. just had a lot of awesome things to say. So. Yeah. Um, uh, all right. Anything else you want to say about pop, pop culture catechism? Yeah, I'm just I'm having a blast doing it. And I, I, I really am open to, to feedback. So if you have suggestions for shows that we should do or I'm always looking for guests. So if you have a you know, someone who in the, in the, the Catholic world or the Christian world who, uh, you know, like, Oh, they love this band or they love this movie. Like say, Hey, you should interview this person about this thing. That's often the hard part is matching up the guest with the, with yeah. the topic. So, um, yeah. So, or if you have opinions about what past shows we've done, like you don't have to agree with us like that, the, the conversation can continue. Um, so please put that in, in comments and we'll talk about it. Go on the awaken app and we can, we can, chat about it absolutely please do join us on the Mm -hmm. awaken app and if you want to be a part of what makes all of this possible this show and all the other shows like mike's uh you know but especially the awaken catholic show um then make sure to visit awakencatholic.org slash donate and you can be a part of this incredible group of people uh who are this you know uh, what's the word for like insurrection? It's like the, a Catholic insurrection. Like we want great Catholic content and we will get great Catholic content. Amen. So visit awakencatholic.org slash donate. Check out the app, uh, theawakenapp.io or search for it in the uh, Google Play Store or the Apple App Store. Uh, and then finally, thanks again to Select International Tours for sponsoring this episode uh, and partnering with us on this mission as well. Mr. Mike Tenney. Thank you. No, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. No, no. It's my show. Okay. Thank you for being on this show. You're welcome. And (laughs) I still hate you for the Cardi B thing. (laughs) Dude, for real though, thank you for being a brother. Thank you for being a part of Awakened Catholic and for being on the show. And uh, man, I'm excited. I'm excited for what's to come, for what's already happening. Me too. It's amazing stuff. You Mm -hmm. rock, dude. You rock. You rock, viewer or listener. Uh, All right. Until next time, Jesus loves you. This show and all media on Awakened Catholic is made possible by the Awakened Nation. The Awakened Nation is a community of people like you who support all things Awaken for as cheap as a cup of coffee a week and get access to exclusive content. Learn more by visiting awakencatholic.org slash donate.